0: Uh, at Sanctuary, we have been in a series called Being Present, and for me on this journey, what that has meant is just to slow down and take in all of God and all of my family, all of my community that I can, and we started off uh, discussing what, it, what does it really mean to take in all of God every single day, to be present with Jesus 24 hours a day, seven days a week, not just on Sundays, but just say, God, I want all that I can of you, and just to be mindful of Jesus at the grocery store or at home uh, or when I'm busy, when I'm stressed out, the most times that, that I could just be all in to experience the presence of God. And then we talked about what does it mean to experience God at our homes that that really the church is founded on the home and that we often put church as where we experience God and experience worship, but really the biblical view is that from the home is where the church flows, that, that the home is what builds the church and the home and how we experience God at home is a direct reflection of how we're going to experience God at church. So I can't expect to come to church and think church is going to fix my family and, and make me more a Christian if my home life doesn't really take in all of God that it should, that I should have just as much Holy Spirit, Bible teaching, uh, worship at home as I do, if not more so at church. Amen. That's why we are where we are in the American church is that we forgot that God has got to be God in the home too. And then we talked about God uh, in our church, that we should experience the tangible presence of God in the church, that God is a present God. He wants to be in our church, and that a church that is present is a church that's present with one another. It's not just to come on Sunday and then go home and be separate from the rest of this group of wonderful people, but that yet we are a family of God together, that we have to be present together and uh, eat together and fellowship together and serve this community together. And lastly, we talked about our community. That if the church is the body of Christ, they don't see Christ if they don't see us in the community. And that we have to be present in our community. And so I want to just wrap all of this up today. And and really this sermon this morning should have been at the very beginning, but it works out very good today, being that it's leading us into Christmas, is that we have a Jesus who became present for us. We we go in our hustle and bustle and we got our smartphones and got our social media and we're passing people by left and right every single day. And often our families, uh, many families around the world are breaking apart, not present with one another, father and daughter times and mom and son times. All of that just kind of is getting more and more disconnected. Families are moving across the United States, being separated. But yet Jesus became present for us. When we weren't getting closer to God... We were actually, in a sense, getting further away from God. God took it on himself to be present with us. That's an amazing thing. And let's not take it. I don't want to go through this holiday season and just uh, take it for granted, right? So I want to just take a journey through some scripture this morning, just really not even to preach to you, but just that you would take it in and then take it home, okay? And uh, did you know this? that 24.7 million kids in the United States don't live with a biological father. Maybe some of you today grew up without a biological father. You know, in fact, 39% of students today from the 1st to the 12th grade are fatherless. And with the breakdown of the nuclear family, uh, you can see the consequences to our society. For instance, children are, more, are four times more likely to live in poverty without a father. And we know poverty often affects their academics. And kids are twice as likely to drop out of school without an involved father. In fact, girls are four times as likely to get pregnant as teenagers without a loving and a present father. And even more so, children who are growing up without a father are twice as likely to commit suicide. Now, that's not every case, and that doesn't say that the mom has nothing involved in that. We know that it works for both parents. And that's not to say if you're a single parent, it's all the odds are against you. That's not it either. But what it is saying is look at what happens when a fleshly, the Bible calls us evil, natural man, fleshly man. When a fleshly man is absent from his family, from his child, look at what naturally occurs. Think about it. All those things that could actually occur because of a natural, fleshly, carnal, sinful man being absent. What happens when a good, heavenly father is absent? Think about it. What happens when a heavenly father is absent from a person's life? What what is the, the result of a perfect being being separated from his children? And what is the result of those children? Scriptures declare that we were born to this world under a curse called sin and that death would ultimately separate us from God, and we would go into eternal death. The Bible says we would go into eternal darkness, into damnation, uh, with weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, that we would be so utterly uh, distraught that we would be separated from the presence of God for all of eternity without a hope. And Ephesians says that we were, even on this earth, though, excluded as strangers to any of God's promises. It says, Paul says that you and I were without a hope in the world. Hope is the number one destroyer of marriages in America. I know you can say it's money or communication or finances or adultery, but it's hope. When you lose hope that anything could ever change or any condition could be gone, and the Bible says that this world was completely devoid of hope. So wars and rumors of wars and famines and all of the things began to plague uh, this world. Everything was without hope. And it says that you and I were bound to a fallen nature that says that we were to live pain-filled, empty lives full of immorality and sensuality, idolatry, strife, jealousy, anger, divisions, envy, drunkenness, and the like. All of this would be the result of not experiencing the full love and presence of our heavenly father that we were designed to be with God as a creation made by God himself that he breathed life into us made in the image of Christ from the very beginning of time that we would be one with him at the very beginning of this world we were broken like a clock that doesn't know its maker anymore that we wouldn't have time wouldn't tell on us that we couldn't we couldn't function we couldn't have a purpose our identity was completely broken so we would be looking to one another marriages would begin to say well wonder what she thinks about me I wonder if she really loves me I wonder our identity would be screwed up teenagers would look into Hollywood and all these different things to find out if this is beauty or this is identity and this is sexuality maybe it's drugs or alcohol maybe this is what I need to numb this void inside of me that I need something, I'm craving something, but there was no access to it. There was there was no ability to get it. And so many today, even still, not knowing. But in Galatians, Paul begins to tell us, he says, you know, there's this Spirit of God, and knowing this Spirit of God, and having this Spirit of God in you would produce love and joy and peace, and patience, and kindness, and and all these heavenly things. And it would be the warm touch of a gentle, perfect, heavenly Father in your life. And he says in chapter 4, he says, Guys, when, when we were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world, and that fullness of time came, like it was like a woman ready to give labor. God saw at this moment, at this time, as when my son must come. This would be the, the ultimate prime moment when the world was ready. He says that he was born of a woman, born under the law, religious law, that he might redeem those who were under the guilt of that law. That they might be sons of, And daughters of God, adopted, that they might have the Holy Spirit and cry out that they know, in a sense the translation says, Daddy, Daddy, that they might be able to cry out, Daddy, Daddy, Abba, Father, the most intimate communion with God. That's the story we're looking at this morning, that you and I might be adopted children of God. I'm going to give you three things today about Jesus. He became, He bore, and He brought near. The begotten was born among us. John chapter 1, verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Everybody say dwelt. Dwelt among us, and we saw His glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, even from the very beginning, it was God's desire, even under this religious law, right? Moses and God had this agreement that he would show up, uh, and Moses would build this tabernacle, this, and the word tabernacle means dwelling place, the inhabitation of God. He says, Moses, put that in the very center of my people. I want them to be in the midst. I want to be in the midst of them. I want to dwell among them. But God would know this, that, that the pure, unadulterated holiness of God could not be touched, They couldn't come near the mountain. They had to have a veiled presence. It was veiled among them. They couldn't go in. Only a high priest could go in. And even then, he had to go through all these rituals of religion, and still he wasn't being perfect. And he had even blood spilt for his own sins and the sins of everyone. But it would only last the next day. And they would have a sacrifice for every day. They would have a sacrifice for every week. They would have a sacrifice to cover every month. They'd have a sacrifice to cover every year. To even get near the presence of God, their whole life had to be covered under the blood. It had to all be atoned for and forgiven for, but it would all be temporary. But God still desired to be present, to be present among us. And so what happened? John says, and the word, the spoken word of God, the Logos, became flesh, and he, he dwelt. The tabernacle means the dwelling place. But then Jesus, it says that Jesus became the dwelling place on the earth. Just as the tabernacle and all that was in the midst of the children, now Jesus comes and he's in the midst of all of us. He walks among us. He, he acts like us. The Bible says that God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son that who could ever believe in Him wouldn't perish, would have eternal life. And God didn't send His Son just to judge the world, but the world might be saved. So Jesus comes. He's this common man named Joshua. Jesus, Yeshua, meaning Savior. He's, he's born of, of a virgin. He's 100% man, and He's 100% God. He takes on everything about us, walks with us, has to put on deodorant like some of us do. Sometimes. I mean, he had all of it. He 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 had hair that growed. He had to shave. He he got tired. He he got weary. He got weak. He had to eat. All of the things that we have. The word of God became and he dwelt. He dwelt. The Bible says in John 1:17 that the law was given through Moses but grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. And no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God, who is in the bosom of the Father, He has explained Him. You know, it's all, uh, a lot of these children, I worked, in a, I worked in a juvenile detention center for a little while, and I've worked with youth and young adults most of my career. And you know that a lot of these Young people, these students who are in bad behavior, if you go home, you'll find they've never had any good behavior to model. They don't know what it looks like to have a stable home life. In fact, uh, I would say about 99% of the young men that I watched as a juvenile officer uh, didn't have a dad, and most of all their dads were in prison themselves. Uh, I'd ask each one of them, hey, you know, what's your home life like? And they would say, well, i got a mom who's at home with a bunch of kids, And then I have a dad, and he's been in prison most of my life. They've never seen what it means to be a man. They don't know. They have nothing to look at. And then they go into the music and the entertainment industry of the world, and they model off of these rappers and MTV and VH1 and all this stuff, and that's what they think manhood is, what it means to treat a woman, what it means to talk, what it means to act right. The Bible says that when we were under the religious law, you and I were condemned that we couldn't be perfect if we tried. In fact, we were uh, uh, bound by our carnal nature and carnal desires. And so basically, you, want, you, you wanted to think right, and but just religion just kept telling you you can't. You're no good. You're not good enough. You're never going to make heaven. You're not perfect. You're never going to be perfect. And religion would just condemn you of all of your faults and never give you the answer to how to be good. And it says, but when the fullness of time came, God sent his son, the word of God, he dwelt among us and that he began to explain God, the father to us. You never had anybody to look at to see what holiness looked like, what it meant to be a kind person, a patient person, a loving, sacrificial person, what it meant to have grace and love. And God said, I want them to know me, son. And I can't go in my full holiness because their sin cannot be near me. But son, go, become one of them and explain that you are going to show them that I love them. So he became. God in a mystery placed his living word on the earth as a man so we could see his heavenly nature. So the, the son became and then the son bore. He not only became, but he bore. And just... Just like some of these young people want someone to understand them. Been many a nights I've set up with young people, college students, uh, young men. We would min- minister to people on the street. and I had a young man, not a young man, a, a middle-aged man come in one time dealing with uh, homosexuality and, and party life. And he just off the street walked into my office one day and came in just sobbing, just sobbing and saying, I don't know why I'm here but can you listen to me? If he can tell me his story of how he had an abusive father and a grandfather and his mom was killed after being in prostitution and and then he was beaten and abused by a religious grandfather and left, and he left home and went into the party scene, got into drugs and raves and DJing and all this stuff, and he became a homosexual and been in all these broken relationships that never fulfilled him, and he was tired of it all, and he was just there weeping. We went to a restaurant. I bought him lunch, and he just began to break down. We had to leave the restaurant, go outside, and sit on the curb outside of a Cheddar's. And there he just began to talk to me and pour out his life because people are broken and they want someone who can understand them and listen to them and love on them and tell them, hey, I know this world's life. It was broken, but God became a man that you might know him and not just that you might know him, that he would bear your brokenness. He would take your sin, your shame. He would take all that guilt and weight of that nasty junk, the world and sex and drugs and alcohol and identity and and all the things and the lust and the pride of the world. He would take it all upon Him. The perfect Lamb of heaven that was spotless would bear my spots, would bear my, my shame, my sin. And the Bible says in Hebrews 4 that He would empathize with us. And our weakness, he would be tempted in every way that, that I am. And Isaiah says that, that he would bear, surely, our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. And he would go on and say that you, he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The chastening, the beating for our well being fell upon him, and his scourging, his scourging, the, the stripes across his back, we'd become healed. So the begotten became and he bore. He he took it on. And why? Because the Bible says that God's nature is to be a very present help in a time of need. He's present. He's, He's present. When so many things are absent from us, he's present. It's called the great exchange. And the Bible says on the night of Jesus' birth that the angels would begin to declare glory to God and they would say peace among men with whom he's well pleased. You know, it wasn't the peace that some people might look for, God, I'm going to come to you so you can fix my marriage. God, I'm going to come to you so you can work my finances out. God, I'm going to come to you uh, so you can do this. And even the Pharisee would say, God, we're going to come to you, Jesus, uh, and I want you to get out Rome, and I want you to establish your kingdom. I want you to come with an army. It's the peace that so many people are looking for. They don't really understand the kind of peace that he's bringing because it was peace among men with whom he's well pleased. That What the peace was is that he would bring peace between God and with man. He would bring peace into every troubled heart, every weary heart, every broken heart, that the peace of God would pass all earthly understanding, that it would come inside of them through the presence of the Holy Spirit, and He would bring healing for our sin disease. Peter says that it was because He, he Himself bore our sins and His body on the cross that we might die to sin, but that so that we can live to righteousness. By his wounds you were healed. He fills the hungry with good things because we have a good Father in heaven who sent his Son not just to become but to bore and bear the sins of many. He made him who knew no sin be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He was going to take you somewhere And that means he was going to bring you closer. So the son he became, he bore, and he brought a sneer. What does that mean? When we're we're this rebellious child right we're contrary to the word of God we 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 get this thing called repentance and we say God I'm I'm tired of it Lord I'm tired of living by my own authority my own nature my own understanding I'm tired of making my plans for my life I'm tired of trying to make my marriage work God I'm tired of of trying to make my kids work I'm tired of of trying to make ends meet Lord I'm tired of of always not thinking right I know that I'm not not thinking like I ought to God I'm tired of not speaking and doing right and I can't And that's the ultimate point of repentance when you say, God, I'm sorry, I can't. I know I can't. I completely give up. I completely surrender. I give it all over to you. The only way is through Jesus Christ, and it's only by grace that I'm going to be saved. And Ephesians says this, and now in Christ Jesus, you who were far off. Everybody say far off. You were far away. He says, you have been brought near. Everybody say near. Near. You've been brought near by the blood of Christ for he himself is our peace says that he would bring two groups into one. He would take away the dividing wall. He would uh, fulfill the law of the commandments and that he might himself make all those people into one new man establishing peace, reconciling them in the cross, putting to death all the hostility and the enmity with God. And he preached peace to the religious who were trying to get close to him. And he preached peace to all the Gentile heathen, uh, fornicators of this world who are far off and he says he has brought the two into one. He has brought both religious people who thought they were perfect but they weren't and he has brought all heathen Gentiles people who were, had no clue or no hope or no desire for God in the world he brings them both near into one glorious dysfunctional family called the church that, that, that to d- today you and I I don't care what you've done what you haven't done Nobody is good enough, including this pastor right here. I don't care how much you try to do good or think good or feel good or give good or or all of that. It doesn't matter. It's that my life is now humbly submitted to a Christ who came, who bore, who brought me near through his grace, through his spirit, through his blood, that I might now become the righteousness of God in Christ. And so my life now is, is a response to grace. What good works I do is in response to the good work he did first. It doesn't earn me a place in heaven. Yes, I want to do good. I want to think good. I want to live right. I want to give right. I want to worship right. I want to speak right. All those things, but that is in response to the glory of Jesus Christ. I don't give to get something from God I don't serve to be good enough but it says Lord how is it because Paul goes on he says but guess what you guys now are members of God's house you are get this you are the dwelling of God's spirit you follow that in the very beginning what happened what happened God said Moses I want to be present I want to be in the tabernacle with them but I can't. They keep failing. And then he says, Son, go down. Become a man. Be the dwelling. Dwell on the earth because I want to know them and I want them to know me. And the son says, Yes, God, I'll bear their sins and I'll exchange my righteousness with their sin and they will become the righteousness and then I'll breathe the Holy Spirit in them and guess what we get to say? Now, I am the dwelling place of the Spirit of God. When you couldn't get closer to God, God got closer to you. He's pursuing you today. He wants to be all up in your business. He does. He wants to be a part of everything of your life. And these disciples, they come to Jesus, and, they, and Philip says to Jesus, Jesus, just, just show us the Father. It's good enough for us to know the Father. We want to know the Father. And Philip, he says to Philip, Philip, don't you know, how long have I been with you? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Yes. I'm going to go prepare a dwelling place for you. Not only are you going to be the Holy Spirit right now, and you will be a dwelling place, but in eternity, you will dwell with God forever. Is that where you are in your life today? Are you dwelling with God? That's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's not about coming to church and paying your tithes and speaking in tongues. And all those are good things. Believe in all of that. It's, it's, it's giving to the poor. It's being a good husband, being a good wife, and being good children, obeying the laws, and not speeding. We'll talk about that one next Sunday. No, not really. Right? It's, it's, it's all those are good things. But if I don't go through my day knowing that I'm born again, that the dwelling place of God is in me, I don't go to a pastor to get what I need. I don't go to a church service to get what I need. I I go to Jesus, the Word, the Spirit who lives within me. And I say, God, you, you are all that I need every day. Do you feel if, if you were to die today? The only way you know you get to heaven is because you can cry out today, Daddy, Daddy, Father, Abba, Father, I know you're here. I know there's nothing between us that would keep me out of your presence because I know your presence is right here, that I am a dwelling place because the Son became, the Son bore, and the Son brought me near. And I have God living on the inside of me. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel message. And he's coming back again that you might live with him forever in paradise. So let's bow our heads this morning. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. That's the simple message, and it never gets old. And that's what Christmas is really all about. The Son became, he bore our sins, and he brought us near to the Father. Today, if you were to die, if you were not to make it home today, Where would you spend eternity? Do you have any doubts in your heart, in your mind, that I don't know, Pastor Heath, if I am, I don't know this joy, this love, this peace. I don't feel this presence living in me. Maybe it's because you haven't given your life fully to God, or maybe it's because you've made Christianity so much of a religion that we would... Follow rules and rely on church services and rely on pastors and knowledge of the Bible and good works. Or our baptism. All those are good things, but do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Are you a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit? Every head bowed and no one's looking around. You just take an inventory today. Take an inventory today and see Do I go throughout my life conscious of the presence of God? Has He changed my nature? Has He changed my desires? Do I have more love and joy and peace now because He's living on the inside? Am I walking with Him, talking with Him, experiencing Him in my personal devotional life? I sense His presence. As I get up in the morning... I say, You know, we go through our days and we get busy and we forget, but if you would just slow down right now, today, right now, take an inventory, is God living in you? And if you can say, yes, Pastor Heath, I know that He's living in me, I sense Him, I feel Him, and you can stand before God with full confidence today, you are saved. But if you can't say that today, we want to pray with you, encourage you. God has, God's desire is that you would know Him. It's not mine. I'm, it's not about me. It's not about this church. It's not about membership or a letter or anything like that. It's about you and God. He wants to know you. And I want to pray with you and lead you to Him. So if you're here, no one's looking around. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You're